0: EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS Chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash inside EMS.
1: this is it. It's time to go inside EMS and I am so excited as always. Every week I have the opportunity to hang out with the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on?
0: I'm good, man. I just got back from the NRA annual meeting. My my battery's recharged. My... my Ever still recovering. Mm. Got some some shooting and, and writing projects to work on in the in the coming months. So uh, productive trip.
1: Are you a writer for the NRA?
0: Uh, I write uh, freelance for Shooting Illustrated and for American Hunter.
1: Yes. Oh, how about that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Just, yeah, adding so about, huh? just adding to the list of. Uh, uh, there you go, man. How about that? So. Did you get to see Uncle Ted? I mean, I know that the president was there and Ollie North became the new president. You know, I was amazed too, Kelly. There was there was almost 85,000 people at that conference.
0: Yeah, they were saying 87,000 uh, and two dozen protesters. Uh, but uh, as usual, protesters were outnumbered by the, the press covering the protesters. Um, no, I didn't see Uncle Ted. I'm kind of glad I didn't see Uncle Ted. I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, uh, tired of uncle ted's help on gun rights issues uh we could use less of his help uh, <laughs> um and no i didn't watch the politicians i really don't care for politicians in general uh and that even includes the ones that i voted for uh i i believe they tell us the things we want to hear and and uh, not the truth so uh i kind of covered the uh the speeches from the press room uh but i didn't attend
1: the uh the speeches so yeah, well, very nice very nice well um i don't know what the segue is from the nra but uh you know <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> i thought that uh one of the things that we could talk about is you know I, I do a lot of you know like you uh and certainly i didn't know that you were a contributor to outside ems but i i do that as well and you know, I do work for Forbes magazine, uh, Forbes online, and I do some articles. I do some guest blogs for people. Uh, you know, coaches in the, you know, in the world that I've developed relationships with, and you know, I think that for for people like you and I, and certainly a lot of our EMS One columnists, we enjoy sharing our story. Well, one of the projects that I was working on is one that I was calling his story, H I S S T O R Y. And I was collecting um, stories from the military members. You know, we think about our World War II veterans, our Korean veterans. I mean, how much longer will they be around to share their story? But I didn't want their war stories. I wanted stories that dealt with the camaraderie. I I wanted stories that dealt with the humor. Because we do a lot of weird stuff in EMS. We do a lot of weird stuff in the military that really kind of, I think, bonds us together more than, you know, the actual act of war. Uh, And certainly, uh, when you're in combat, Mm -hmm. it does that as well. But I thought, you know, as I was thinking about this project, even closer to us should be that we should develop a his story, EMS his story, or her story book on the, you know, the things that we've experienced in EMS. So if I could give an example, let's start collecting stories about um, motivation, what's motivated people. Uh, the, oh yeah you know the call that taught them the most uh, certainly the funnies that we've had in uh, EMS I-, I think that if we can compile those stories we put them into chapters we're able to you know we're now able to you know read the motivating the inspiring the funny the confusing I, I think what this does is it really kind of begins a history of what EMS is about, not the history of how we got started. We all know that one. But what is it that we go through every day? What is it that we feel every day? What is it that inspires us? What is it that, you know, depresses us every day about our job? But I think once we we keep that stuff um, in a book, but maybe this becomes a reference or a project that, you know, we always talk about people don't understand what paramedics do. Maybe they can <clears throat> laugh with us. Maybe they can feel motivated with us. Maybe they can feel a little depressed with us, but maybe with this project, we can truly get people to understand what it is EMS does on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, you know, I, and I really, really dig that idea. I, I think we, uh, too bad we can't call it chicken soup for the paramedic soul, because it's already it's <laughs> already right. taken, but um, yeah, you know, in, in my book, uh, in books, that, that's the kind of thing I try to convey, because there's so much about what the public, the outside, sees about EMS, and, and that is not true, and, and virtually every book, with the exception of a few talented writers uh, you see in the genre, is people playing up the, the life-saving, the heroism aspect of EMS, which is, I don't think, an accurate portrayal, and and my book, I tried to, to paint, keep it real, you know, for lack of a, a, a less trite phrase, but... EMS needs to be humanized uh, to the public rather than mythologized, um, because all they see is, is a very tiny aspect of, of what we do, um, and, and they don't see the emotional toil that we go through uh, day in and day out. And it's not so much, you know, I like, think, oh, well, you know, emotional toil, you lost that, that code or something, eh, those kind of things are... In a, you know uh a dime a dozen and they're really not all that traumatic um it's it's the the chipping away at your at your compassion that that happens every every day you know with a little mundane and dreary tasks that we do uh that really uh gets you after a while and it's nice to be able to share stories where someone you know recharged your batteries and 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 Made you realize what why you were in this profession again. Uh, I, I love those kind of things. I would I would uh, look forward to hearing more from from our listeners. Yeah, I think what's I mean, one of your
1: favorite ones, man? Well, I mean, I think that there are a lot of great stories, and and certainly when I when I look back on my experience, there were a lot of things that were motivating to me. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to run calls on celebrities. I had the opportunity to run calls on people who've taken their last breath and held their hand as they passed away. You know, I've had the opportunity to be inspired by people who were living with the, uh, a terminal illness. Uh, certainly I've been motivated by, um, trying to become the best paramedic that I can be. And I have learning experiences that, uh, Maybe uh, during my egotistical time as a paramedic, I had to become grounded by my mistakes mm-hmm. uh, because I was having tunnel vision, you know, but then, you know, the, there. to me, I think the stories that really make me enjoy the profession are the ones of the camaraderie or the ones of the practical jokes of the ones, you know, <laughs> one time, one time we, you know, we taped a uh, PA system open. Uh, of a fellow ambulance while they were sitting at lunch talking about people as they were walking by. Um, you know, or, you know, the Lasix and the coffee cup or the... You know, I, mean,
0: so, I I laid on an embalming table, pretended to be a corpse to scare one of uh, scare one of our crews, and, and did a fine job of it. If I must say so myself, I don't know that
1: that uh, one's as far fetched as we believe it is.
0: No, <laughs> I uh, I, um, I scared him, uh, scared the living daylights out of he and his wife uh, when I reached out from under that sheet and grabbed him by the arm and said, "What are you doing here?"
1: That's funny. But I think that we all have stories. So for everybody out there that's listening, I would really like to make this a campaign. I would really like to make this a movement. I would really like to make this something that we make happen. And and it doesn't happen with just Kelly and I. It happens with all of us. And, you know, this is not a, this is a project that is something that I'm going to do. Uh, you know, maybe I elicit some help from people that are out there that are interested. But I think it's our time now. It's our time now to kind of outline the, You know, the the reality of what EMS is about. So if you have motivating stories, something that really has touched you in your soul, if you have inspiring stories, you know, things that really said, you know what, I need to become the best paramedic that I could be. Uh, If you have funny stories that you want to share, of course, now we want to be able to talk about being HIPAA compliant. We don't want any patient names. We don't want anything that's going to reference identity. I want you to go ahead and send these to me, and I would think that we could probably put these in a 800 to 1,000 word the most, certainly short stories or something that is uh, welcome as well. We want this to be a quick read for people, Uh, but if your story goes 800 words, 1,000 words, go ahead and do that. Don't worry about editing. We'll have editors uh, in this project that will edit this book for us and make it uh, presentable. And then, you know, once it's time, we'll, we'll publish it ourselves and, uh, you know, you guys will be, you know, published writers. And one of the things that I think we need to do as well is as you submit your stories to me, submit them with the line that I acknowledge that this story is the truth. So at least by starting that, in the beginning of the book, in the preface, we'll say everybody who submitted stories is verifying the authenticity of this is their story and this story is, you know, the truth or whatever it is, the legality that we have to mm-hmm. say. But we do want people to send us stories that are their own. Uh, we do want people to send us stories that are authentic. And um, But I think that this is going to be something that's really, really cool. I think this is something that can yeah. really grow, um, you know, the respect of our career field because there are going to be people who can who can enjoy this book when they're you know, taking a break when they're in their home library, when, mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe we get Kelly Grayson to, uh, to, uh, record it on an audio book. You never know him with that, uh, with that weird, uh, accent he's got, it wouldn't make it even funnier.
0: <laughs> so, so there I was first in on the busload of hemophiliac Jehovah's witnesses that crashed into the glass factory. Me with nothing more than a half box of four by fours and expired two and he That's right. <laughs>
1: That's
0: sort Uh of, You know, there's, I love hearing those kind of stories. And I'm, I look forward to hearing them from, from our, our listeners, but the, you know, not just the funny, but the sublime, uh, the, the, uh, the ridiculous, uh, the ones that made you question your choices, uh, and the ones that made you reaffirm your choices. You know, I'll give you an example um, at, at a pretty dark place in my career, um, not really happy with, uh, with the, the way things were going. Um, I got back on an ambulance for a couple of weeks because we had a, uh, a medic on light duty. Uh, I was a supervisor at the time and I wound up transporting for the last, uh, probably, uh, two weeks of his life, uh, one of our, our, uh routine transfer of patients back and forth to, to, radiation therapy. And, uh, this guy had a wife who was just a holy terror, uh, constantly complaining about crews, very demanding. Um, what I didn't know was that, you know, they'd been married for 40 odd years and she was just, you know, she was faced with the prospect of losing the only man she'd ever loved, um, and didn't know how to deal with it. And, what I didn't know about him was is, is that he was a, a war hero. He was an economics professor at the, at the college, but he was a war hero. Um, guy had been decorated, uh, had a silver star, um, fought in World War II, got a battlefield commission, retired as a, as a colonel, but a, a true Mustang rose up from the ranks. You know, this guy was legit. And, uh, never knew that about him and never would have thought that of him because he's the most unassuming. uh, but, but heroism and vows comes in so many forms. And I, on the last day I transported him, I said, uh, I said, uh, Sanford, you, you know, I didn't know you were a, you were a hero, man. He said, well, I'm not a hero. I, I served in the military and I served with some heroes, but I'm not one, uh, which I think you'll find that the attitude of most, uh, uh, most servicemen, um, but what he said to me afterwards, he said, no, I'm not a hero, but you are. And I, I was I was flabbergasted, man. I, I didn't know what to say. And I said, no, I'm not a hero. I'm a, I'm a guy who takes people back and forth and, and occasionally tries to, to uh, get the opportunity to try to save a life. But what I do is heroic. And he said, no, you're a hero because you make my wife smile every time you come pick me up. And it has been so long since she smiled. And, and shoot, man, I get I get teary-eyed thinking of it even now because I never thought that those little things, those little jokes and, and banter and, and, and uh, putting patients and their family members at ease was all that meaningful beyond that moment. But it was for him. Uh, and, and if a man like that wants to call me a hero, well... I'll accept that. That's not a problem. But that's the kind of that's the kind of story we like to hear. The things that that reaffirmed your choice to, to uh, enter the field of EMS and the, the things that recharged your batteries and and uh, filled your your job satisfaction uh, box.
1: I think you bring up a really good point, Kelly. And you know, it, it was that little. You know, certainly we don't consider ourselves to be heroes. We're certainly in a mm-hmm. profession that sometimes spotlights us as being heroic and but we don't do it with the thought of being hero we do it because we have a special trait that allows us to you know do the work that we do you know it was funny i was at dinner the other night with some friends and i was looking for a picture in my phone that i wanted to share with them and i came across an mri of uh i'm sure we've all seen it the skull with the rebar through it and and I kind of was showing people that picture. I'm like, "Can you imagine how this would ruin your day?" Kind of making it funny, and everybody kind of cringed at it. And it was like, "Oh my gosh, what do we? Don't show us that!" And and it made me realize that not everybody has the capability to do what it is that we do. Now I want to couple this on what you just said, because you know when you were helping this gentleman and you were making his wife smile, he realizes the importance of your job sometimes more than you did. And to us, we're going to a guy's house who is calling us every day to take us to a doctor's appointment, to take us to Mm -hmm. a dialysis appointment. But from their standpoint, we are somebody that if we weren't doing our job, they probably wouldn't be able to get the treatment they needed. They probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to survive. And we take such... I don't want to use the word umbrage, but there are paramedics out there that have such a chip on their shoulder that they don't realize the honor it is to actually go into somebody's home and take care of them at whatever vulnerable point it is. I got to tell you, Kelly, you know, I'm I'm a 53-year-old guy, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, I'm a little bit overweight, and I can't imagine that one day if I'm laying on the floor in my underwear that I can't get up that the fire department and the ambulance are going to have to come into my home and pick me up and take me to the hospital. I can't imagine the embarrassment of what that would be for me. Now, with that said, I can't imagine the irreverence I had when I walked into people's homes when they were at their most vulnerable and I took umbrage to the fact that they were calling me at three o'clock in the morning. And, And that's a parallel right now that really kind of makes me sick to my stomach that I wasn't that I didn't have that foresight and conceptualization as a young paramedic of the importance of the work that I was doing because I thought it was too trivial.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, that was the the thing that really uh, uh, was my epiphany in EMS is, is what our patients consider important versus what we consider important. And, and I would, like anyone, I was I was drawn into EMS from the, the life-saving and the heroism aspects. I was going to be a steely-eyed, uh, um, life-saving man, you know, and, and uh, reap the accolades and the adulation of the public at large and possibly even get laid. Uh, but that wasn't what it was. Was that and in any of the
1: job descriptions? I didn't read that in well, the I job try, description.
0: I tried, man. If right. I if I'd written the job descriptions, ah, that would have been I in see. there, baby. I see, I see. Uh, I see. But, um, you know, uh, but that wasn't what the job was, and there is no, there is no person more bitter than a disillusioned idealist, uh, and, and when you, when you mythologize what, what it is that we do, uh, reconciling it with the reality of what we do is very difficult, unless you come into to EMS with some open eyes or you have that epiphany like you or I have had where you realize, man, it's not how well you stick an IV or how or how thoroughly you've memorized your ACLS algorithms or how you can weave in and out of traffic at speed or the fact that I can fall down a flight of stairs and accidentally intubate five people on the way down. That's not what matters to the people we care for. Right. Uh, every single time someone has come up to me after the fact, he said, I remember you. You took care of my family member. You took care of me during my heart attack. It was never about, whoa, Kelly, you know, I, no one interprets an EKG quite as well as you do. You know, you said it was Welland syndrome. I, I thought personally that it was left ventricular strain pattern, but you were right. I was wrong. Much m- Mad respect, bro. Uh, no one ever says that. They say, how nice you were or you stood in the soaking rain held an umbrella over my grandmother while you loaded her and I really appreciated that or you made my wife smile and laugh and man that just when when you realize that that how much we care and how that comes through our attitudes is what really makes a difference for our patients regardless of the skill and the, the knowledge we possess um you can you can approach uh, EMS in, in new ways and that's the kind of that's the kind of stories I, I look forward to hearing
1: so let's let's go ahead and just put a cap on this Kelly before we go to close so go ahead and send me your stories uh, on my personal email subaleroc at gmail.com and go ahead and get my name spelling from the show notes and send them to me I'll compile them I'll talk about it, but here's what else we need we need you To put this on your feed. We need this to share this with your social media network. Boost the signal. We need this exactly. So what we want to be able to do is we want to be the advocates for this project. You guys are going to become contributors to a book. Get everybody involved in this. What we're going to do is we're going to weed through the stories. We're going to develop the chapters. We're going to make this project work. But you guys are going to have to be the power. you guys are going to have to be the wind in the sail to make this happen. So send me your stories subaleroc at gmail dot com. You know, we'll kind of continue this process until we have enough to put a book together. And then, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some traction. Certainly, we're not going to charge a lot for it. We're going to, you know, enough to cover the cost of the publishing uh, that it covers it, that it take care takes care of itself. This isn't about anybody making money. You know, we might only have a two ninety nine dollars uh, fee for it, but that'll just cover the publishing uh, side of things. But uh, let's try to make this work, and uh, everybody's got a great story, everybody loves to tell their stories, and Kelly, I think that if we can make this work and continue to talk about this, uh, I think we'll have a great little project, and it's not just for our own, you know, for, to get our story out there, but maybe it's some therapy for us to get those stories out that have haunted oh, yeah. us. Maybe it's the, the education of the people who are out there that don't know really what EMS is all about, but man... Maybe this is something – the reason that I was here today was to bring this up so we can get the word out of exactly how important EMS is to the people that are out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Share with us the the funny – the cathartic, uh, the the tragic, uh, whatever it is, we want to hear your stories. We want to hear the things that illustrate the, the old Martin Luther King quote uh, that I think really fits EMS. We must combine the toughness of the serpent and the softness of the dove, a tough mind and a tender heart, which uh, which I think uh, encapsulates what it is that we do uh, and, and what it takes to be uh, a good EMT or paramedic uh you gotta have a tough mind and a tender heart um and that's the stories we want to hear so share your stories on chris's email and for myself and co-host chris sebalero thanks for tuning in to inside ems we'll catch you guys next week